0: to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. We trust that you will enjoy today's message and that it will encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ our Savior. All over the world, wherever we minister, it's just so great to see people putting their hand up and saying, Jesus, I want to be a light shining among the nations, Lord. I love that God says that He causes us to be lights, and no one takes a light and puts it under a basket, puts it under a bucket, hides it in a corner, because what's the point of that light? But God takes lights and He puts us on lampstands. And one of the biggest challenges I know that many of us have to wrestle through in our faith, especially early on in our faith, and it doesn't necessarily get earlier as life goes on, we have to wrestle with it, God. It's nice being under the basket. (laughs) It's nice being hidden, God. It's comfortable being hidden. It's much easier. It's like when I always say when I've got three brothers, so we were four boys. It was always fun at home because, you know, you can play and you can break stuff and break windows, break the neighbor's windows and... Have a lot of fun. And you know, when you break a neighbor's window, I remember one time we were playing cricket in the street, sort of in the driveway in the street. And it was one of those freak moments where my cousin hit a cricket ball. And it wasn't a, a rock hard cricket ball, but it wasn't a tennis ball either. And he hit it, and just perfectly, as it was in the road, the, the ball, a car came past. And we just heard a windscreen. You know, with that sound of a windscreen that just goes. And instantly, it was like the Oilers. We were gone. <laughs> We heard the car brake and drive back, but by the time, in the four seconds later, that the car had reversed back and was at the, there was no one in the driveway. <laughs> you see, when you bri- it's it's fun being that. That's the easy part of life. And then I got kids, and some of you who parent, kids break stuff. You know, the amazing thing is now when my kids break stuff, I can't run away and act like I wasn't there. Suddenly I have to stand up and realize this is my problem to sort out. And leadership is a a lot of that, that it's much easier being the brother in the story and when the stuff breaks we just all run away and we have fun. Leadership is a place where we come to at times and we stand up and we say, I'm I'm willing to, to take charge of the situation. I'm willing to sometimes take credit for where the kids do well. But I'm willing to be there to clean up the mess for where the kids don't do so well. It's so great just seeing all across the nations people standing up willing to say, Jesus, I don't want to be that light hidden where no one's changed by it. I want to be the city on a hill. And being the city on a hill is uncomfortable. It means sometimes we need to stand up and own up it's so great seeing people like Trevor and Sharon. I know many of you standing up and saying, God, make us a city. I've been praying that over our church for the last couple of years. God, make us a city on a hill because we must give light to the whole city. Even if we were a little lamp, shine shines so brightly in darkness. And one of the ways we do that is through our kids. Malachi 2 verse 15. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife for those who are married? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Why did God make you one with your wife? Why does God bring a husband and wife together? For a number of reasons, and one of them is very biblical. What does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Why is it so important to remain loyal to the wife of your youth? Because it has a direct impact on the godliness of our children. The Bible speaks about divorce as covering your garment with violence. This morning I'm wanting us to think of these two little kids, and I know some of us have kids here, some of us are parents, and some of us don't. I'm going to contextualize most of what I'm saying in the light of growing godly children. But the reality is if you have two brain cells, and, and most of you probably do, and you can put them together, you can take exactly what I'm saying and just frame it a little bit differently and say, well, it's great as a parent doing that for my kid, but the same applies to me. We read about John the Baptist in Luke chapter one, verse 80. So the child grew and became strong in spirit. So you've got this boy child, John the Baptist, growing up and he grew and became strong in spirit. I don't know about you, but when I read that and I look at my kids, that's a prayer for my kids. God, I want my kids to grow and become strong in spirit. I don't want to raise up children who are weak in spirit. I don't want to raise up children who fold under the first sign of temptation or lusts of this world because they haven't developed strong spirits inside of them. In the same way, when I look at my life, I ask myself, have I grown and become strong in spirit. Now I want to continue to grow and become even stronger in spirit. Something about growth, which is important, I think, for us to understand, is that growth doesn't happen by accident. Maybe let me rephrase that. The growth that most of us desire doesn't happen by accident. You see, if I just sit on the couch all day long and order pizzas and the delivery guy comes every few hours with a pizza, there's going to be growth taking place in my life. But it's probably not the growth that I'm likely desiring. That for me to grow in fitness, in physical stature, in health, intellectually, education, my career, in my parenting, in, in anything, if I want to grow in it, there's only one way that I can grow in it. I have to work at it. Spiritually, it's exactly the same. The only way that you and I are going to grow is when we get deliberate about pursuing that growth. The only way we're going to grow is if we get deliberate about saying, well, what are the things that cause me to grow, and how can I go about spending as much time as possible around those things so that I can become strong in spirit? Healthy growth never happens by accident. John 3, we pressed for a little bit of time, so I'm not going to read the whole passage. I I hope most of us know it. It's the story of Nicodemus coming to Jesus and he says, I want to grow. I want to know about this thing called eternity. How does it all happen? And Jesus is one of those moments where Jesus just answers him and something that doesn't make sense at all, and his brain freaks out totally. I have a bit of exchange around that, but the point Jesus is trying to make amongst others is that when we come in faith, we all start as children. See, if I happen to be a 65 year old person who puts my faith in Jesus. I will be a 65-year-old spiritual baby. I'm a three-year-old. Put my faith in Jesus. I'm a three-year-old spiritual baby. But there's a dimension to our spirit, and I love Kitty's Church, and I love what Trevor and Sharon do with the kids, and I I love, I know some of you join in with it, and my wife also has been involved with Kitty's Church for us, and church with us in a while. I love the fact that spirits don't have natural ages. Sometimes we think that we must water down the gospel for kids. And I so love that we can share. Yes, we need to water down the method. Yes, we need to communicate it in a way that a three or four or five year old ear will understand it. But the gospel remains the gospel. And those spirits... Sometimes understand it in ways that you and I as adults struggle to understand. Isn't it at one stage exactly when Jesus came and they brought the kids to Jesus, Jesus stopped and he turned at the adults and he said, You know what? If you want to become great in the kingdom, you need to become like these little ones again. Sometimes I'm so challenged by the faith and the simplicity of faith of my own kids. I love the fact that when my kids are around, if I said we're going to go at Spur today for my daughter's birthday, if we said that to them two weeks ago, they'll wake up this morning and they already know they're going to Spur. There's no doubt, there's no confusion, there is no, Daddy, are we still going to go? It's, Daddy, you need to get changed because we need to go to Spur. <laughs> so there's a, some a simplicity of faith that they carry around that I think for me is so challenging because if Jesus has said, you know what I tend to do? If he said a couple of weeks later, I say, oh, oh, Jesus, you said that three weeks ago, did you really mean it? Is that still happening? I so love that when we come to faith, we all start as little kids. So this morning, what I'm wanting to do is a little bit of a a lecture, more than a sermon, more of a Bible school moment as such, than a a Sunday faith-stirring message as such. I want to share with you six things that I believe, and many of these come from a bunch of different church leaders, but summed up really well by Andy Stanley and some of his teachings, and I've added one or two but six things that over the years we've identified that cause growth in the spirit. Six things that help us to grow, six things that help us to become stronger, six things in the same way that if I want to suddenly develop big biceps, then there are a couple of specific exercises I need to do that. If I need to, or if I want to develop my ability to read faster, or if I want my ability to do maths better, or if I want to develop whatever it may be I probably need to spend a little bit of time and find out what are the things that cause growth in that area. And then I need to embrace those and I need to get disciplined around them. So six things specifically that that help to, to grow our faith. And we'll look at each one of these in a bit of detail. The first one is practical teaching, private discipline, personal ministry, providential relationships pivotal circumstances. And those P's are all really nicely done so they're easy to remember because Andy Stanley is just good at that. But I needed to add another one because I think he misses a a really important one. And there's no P in that. And if you want to make a P to help remember it, you can call it Phillips God Moments. Okay? So I don't know what else to put a P in there. And we're going to continually point back to these six what I found in ministry in church when we're looking at ministry evaluating systems evaluating programs how we, I always find myself coming back to these and asking are, are we creating moments and circumstances where these six things are happening in people's lives because so often we get busy with events and activities and stuff just for the sake of busyness and then we need to stop back and say a little bit activity doesn't always lead to growth Activity isn't always productive. Just because we're being active and busy doesn't always mean that we're coming to the end that we're wanting to come towards. What is the end we're working towards? We're wanting to see people grow in faith. What is it that we do? That, why do we do what we do? Well, We want to see the name of Jesus exalted and lifted high, and we believe one of the best ways of doing that is by working with the people of God to see them grow in faith, so they can walk out into every sphere that which God has called them to be, to be lights shining, because they're strong spirits, they can stand, they're not going to be tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine, but because some stuff has been established within their spirit. So this morning I'm just very quickly going to run through these six areas and I want to encourage you to take these down and ask some good questions in your life around these. Am I growing in this area? The first one, practical teaching. 2 Timothy 3, verse 15. Paul is writing to a a son in the faith, a young man. I love what he says to me. He says, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. They've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus But right at the beginning, I love what he says there, you have been taught. It's so important that we take time out in our lives and allow ourselves to be taught. We're gonna speak about it just in the next step. It's important for us to spend time studying the word ourselves. It's important for us to have those private disciplines. It's important for you and me to read the Bible. But it's also important that at some stage in my life and ideally regularly throughout my life, I create space for other people to teach. It doesn't say here, you have known the Holy Scriptures from childhood. He doesn't say that you have studied or you have read or you have memorized. He says, you have been taught. There was an active space of people speaking into your life around, ministry, around the Word of God. The word childhood is literally newborn child. It's the same word that gets used when the baby leaped in Elizabeth's stomach. It was... The same Greek word that gets used here when the shepherds get sent to find the baby in the manger from infancy, he knew the word of God. And more than knowing it, he knew it because he was taught it. He didn't learn it for himself. Deuteronomy, one of the instructions that God gives right at the beginning to his people in the law, he says, commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. In my life, this is something that I'm challenged with at home often, is how regularly in my home do I speak about the Word of God? How much of my discourse with my kids is based around the Word of God? Because if I read Deuteronomy chapter 11 here, kind of the implication I see is pretty much every conversation I have with my kids should be rooted around the Word of God. I've got to find ways to do that. I've got to find ways to make the Word central, not only in my own life, but as I'm looking towards my kids. If I'm wanting my kids to grow strong in faith, I need to make my discussion with them based around the Word of God. Because it's not my opinion, it's not my wisdom, it's not my anything that's going to cause them to grow strong in the faith. It's their embracing of the word of God that's going to cause them to grow strong in faith. Matthew 7, many of us know this. Whoever hears the sayings of mine and does them, whoever hears and does, I liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. If you were to take Your life story, and this is where Andy Stanley gets many of these five points. If you were to take a a notebook and draw a little graph of your spiritual growth over time, the spiritual growth on your vertical axis and time on your horizontal axis, and you were to draw a line as how you've grown over time, there are going to be some peaks, there are going to be some troughs, there are going to be times of steady growth, perhaps times of a little bit of decline as you trace back over the course of your life. And then if you take those turning points, if you take those moments where there were growth, either kind of growth where it was just like a discontinual jump up or maybe a a gradual growth or maybe even at times a a sort of escalating exponential type of growth. And you go back and you trace what caused this. What were the factors that were dominant in my life through this time? One of the things you're gonna find is that you started to grow when you exposed yourself to practical Bible teaching. Maybe not the first time you heard the word, but the first time you began to understand the word. The first time that you realized that if I take this word and I begin to apply the word into my daily life, if you trace that back over your life's journey, you'd see that that was a catalyst for a season of growth in your life. I see that so clearly over my life. In the times when I was deliberately and diligently subjecting myself to a place like exactly like you guys are doing today, where I was taught the word of God, there were times of spiritual growth. When I removed that element, or phrase differently, when I removed myself for whatever reason from that space, growth slowed down, stagnated. Not necessarily the first time we hear the word, but the first time we begin to apply and understand it. Practical teaching that moves to action is one of the primary things that God uses to grow our faith. Practical teaching that moves us to action is one of the primary things that God uses to grow our faith. I read something, I actually heard something on this new audiobook thing. I've discovered the eighth wonder of the world. Audiobooks are amazing. You guys who travel in traffic as well, audiobooks are really amazing. You know the best part about audiobooks is you can redeem the time dropping my kids off at school to work, and then driving to work after that and you can take out my f- phone and fire up the app and the best part is you don't have to listen to the guy speaking so eloquently. You can speed it up a little bit and listen faster and faster until eventually he's speaking at like three thousand speed and you can listen exactly what he's saying and your ears can learn and then you can follow exactly what he's saying and you can do like three hours of speaking like one an hour, and you can just do a whole book in a day. It's pretty cool. And he can speed it up, and I've been listening to this book Radical by David Platt, and he makes so many powerful statements, and then one of them that just has stuck with me, it's so true, it says, our challenge in church is not so much hearing the word of God as obeying the word of God. Most of us probably, it's not that we don't know what God is saying, and he makes the point that as we wrestle with God, we don't so much have to come to the point of saying, God, I'm going to... Hear your word. We we do that mostly in the Christian church already. But the wrestling is, God, when I hear, am I going to obey it? Am I going to do it? Am I actually going to take the bold step? If Jesus steps into your life today, and I'm not saying he is saying this to you, but if he was to step into your life today and say, one thing you lack, sell all that you have, give to the poor, and come follow me, you will have treasure in heaven. How much are we going to, Is that really what God is saying? God, can I just go and look at the Greek original languages? Just make sure that's exactly what you meant. Or are we just going to surrender in our heart and say, God, if you've said it, I'm going to do it, even if it make, doesn't make sense to me. If God says it's not right to fornicate, to have sexual relation before we get married, am I going to just say, God, you, I don't understand it. God, it doesn't make sense to me, but God, you said it and that's enough for me. See, from the prevailing church today, it's not so much that we don't know what God's saying, as much as we're not obeying, we're not learning to apply. For those of us who are parents, you know, there's no greater example. I always say to, to parents, for me, I'm in an incredibly privileged place with my kids. That by default I'm their hero. I have to mess up really badly to not be my kids' hero. And every father has that privilege upon their life. You have to really, it happens, and sadly I know some families where that is the situation, where the dad really messes up, and then it's not the kids here, but kind of by default, your kids do want to do exactly what you're doing. One of the challenges that I'm finding and I'm working through is, I want to teach my kids that what I'm doing, I'm doing because God said I must do it. I'm wanting to teach them that my action flows out of obedience to God because I want their action to flow out of obedience to God. As parents, we're in a prime position with our kids. We get to be their number one. They're looking to us first before they're looking to anyone else. What do we do around that? For my kids to grow, I need to teach the word of God to them, but I also need to understand that I need to make sure that they learn and get into the habit throughout their life of being taught the word of God. So I must get them to children's church. I must make a point of making sure they're in children's church that they can be taught the word of God. As much as I'm teaching it to them in my home, I need to create a lifestyle in them of being taught. Coming to a place where they just know on Sundays we go to church. Why? Because we go and we learn the word of God. The next one, Proverbs 22 verse 6. I prayed this earlier over one of the kids. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's older, he will not depart from it. Second one is our private Disciplines. Private disciplines predominantly referring here yeah, sort of to the Matthew 6 disciplines. Some others as well. Giving, praying, fasting, reading the word privately. I wonder how often we spend reading the word. I've got a challenge for you. Challenge that I'm holding before our congregation now as well. Challenge that I'm holding before myself. Challenge that started when I was a student And I remember studying and kind of, you know, sometimes, especially when it's test time, there's a thousand reasons why not to read the Bible. But I'm writing a test tomorrow morning. If I fail that, I'm in trouble. So I have to study today. So I just started saying to myself, and I sort of put a a time on that I wanted to spend in the Word every day, and I just said to myself, Philip, you're not opening any academic book before you've spent the time in the Word for that day. So if you're writing a test tomorrow morning Maybe mathematical statistics or whatever, and you know you really need to study for your test tomorrow morning, and it's eight o'clock tonight, and I still haven't, and I need to, I, I really need to study now, but you've committed in your heart that I'm not going to do that before I spend time in the Word. For me, that helped to create a discipline to spend time in the Word. So here's my challenge: use it, don't use it. What if you commit just in your heart to say you don't open any social media, any email, any Instagram, any anything? before spending time in the Word every day. How's that for a a good discipline to begin to cultivate in our lives? Yes, I know I've got an email. Yes, my boss has sent me an email. Yes, I need to respond to it. Yes, my friend in Australia sent me a Facebook post. Yes, there was Olympics last night and I want to open the news websites because I want to see what happened. But I'm not going to open any of that before I've given preeminence in my life to the Word of God. Use it, don't use it, think about it. Spend time praying and reading. Praying and reading leads to hearing. And faith, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, reading the word of God and praying the word of God, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you through the word of God. It speaks about acts of righteousness in Matthew 6 as well, doing good, privately, not so that everyone can see, just doing good because God's called us to do good. Private disciplines. Encourage yourself, go and think about your own private disciplines. Personal spiritual disciplines tune our hearts to the heart of God and they underscore personal accountability to the Heavenly Father. Personal spiritual disciplines tune our hearts to the heart of God and underscore personal accountability to our Heavenly Father. For those of us who are parents, do you model private discipline to your kids? do they know that I don't knock on that door now because daddy's speaking to God? Daddy, when I wake up, if the kiddies wake up, if you happen to wake up before them, do they see when they wake up, daddy is sitting with his Bible open, reading the word? Are we modeling? This pulls through to all of our leadership as well. If you're in a leadership type position, people are looking up to you. What are we modeling before them? What is happening in our own lives in terms of our own private disciplines? Are we using it as an example? for others? one of the kids I love doing, things I love doing. I've got this app on this tablet that we use at home, and we've got the Bible for Kids app on here. It's so cool. And sadly, I realized it's Afrikaans as well, because for a long time, we only had the English version. I see there's an Afrikaans one now as well. And you know what I loved about that is the kids could watch the Story, but obviously they can't read yet, the eldest one is five. So I had to tell them the story. I love that I could use this as an aid, as an opportunity to shape private disciplines in my kids' lives, to teach them to read the word. And the best part about that is I got to share it with them. Now they can do that by themselves a little bit and I feel cheated. But anyway, the third one is personal ministry. We need to be really quick here. Okay. Ephesians two verse ten, you and me. We're Christ's workmanship, created, or his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're looking at the things that cause us to grow. What causes us to grow? It causes us to grow when we sit under good, healthy, practical, applicable Bible teaching. It causes us to grow when we have private disciplines. And that's a really important word there, discipline. (laughs) Discipline takes discipline. We're not talking about Private when it happens to, maybe i hey, I've got nothing to do with the next five minutes. Why don't I read the Bible? Because I've got nothing else to do with my life. No, I'm, I'm going to spend time disciplined. Go ask an Olympic athlete what the word discipline means. They'll explain discipline to you. It's not the stuff that happens by chance. It's the stuff that I prioritize and cause to happen. We grow when we're strong in our private disciplines. We grow when we step out in personal ministry, when we allow God to begin to work through us. Some of you may remember the very first time, how many of you have been on a missions trip, a let's go team or anything like that? Did you grow when you went on that team? Isn't it amazing how when you step out to minister others to others, you grow. You grow in ways that you didn't know you were able to grow. When you step up the first time, you become a small group leader. Suddenly, I have to study the Word. Suddenly, I have to read. Suddenly, I have to get some answers. Suddenly, I have to start praying because I'm going to step into the small group and people are going to ask me questions and I need to be able to answer them. It's amazing how when we step out to minister to others, God uses that. That's a free bonus to us as parents because our kids are asking us questions all the time. and We better have good answers for them. We need to be prayed up. We need to be praying over their lives and into their lives. Some of us are saying when it comes to personal, I can't go on a missions team. I can't go on a let's go team. I can't be a small group leader. I can't be a whatever it is because I'm not ready. The great news is you're in brilliant company. Because as I read the Bible, I just read story after story, account after account after somebody who wasn't ready, but that didn't intimidate or stop God anyway. God specializes and uses people who aren't ready. And can I tell you a secret? You will never be ready. You can have four doctorates in theology, in leadership, in psychology. You still won't be ready for the purposes of God. Or you can have the Holy Spirit breathing over you and just be willing to yield and you'll be ready. The whole Bible is full of people who had excuses, somebody better that God should rather have used except he chose to use them. Ministry, Positions us to experience God's power working through us. It forces us to be consciously dependent on God. It forces us. As parents, do you know what we get to do? That I'd encourage you to do go serve somewhere, do ministry somewhere, and bring your kids along. I've got this cool photo here of my eldest daughter. I think I've got it in here. Do I have it in there? It's not there, okay. There we go. So in December last year, we were a little bit thin on team in, in Pretoria, as it happens over holidays. So I put my name up for sound team, and I was on sound duty that day, and I can't remember exactly even who was preaching. But for me, it was such a highlight because we went through early to go and set up, and I took my daughter with. She began to serve behind the sound desk. I created space, and for me this was so great when I spoke this in Pretoria, because all the families are telling us now I can't be on sign team because I've got kids. And so I put this photo up and said, you can. <laughs> what better example to teach our kids to serve, to minister to others. I said, so love, we, we've got a lot of young people in church with us, and I so love when they come and they say, I want to be, I feel God's called me to full-time ministry. I said, that's awesome, that's amazing. The first thing I want you to do is go find a dictionary and find out what the word ministry means and come back to me and then tell me you've still been called to full-time ministry. You know what the word ministry means? Service. Are you here to serve others? Are you willing, is that what you feel called to do? You want to lay down for the rest of your life. You want to lay down your life for other people to serve them. If you're saying yes to that, then you're called to full-time ministry. There's no greater joy for me than teaching my kids to serve. She was sitting with me, playing with our nice toys, putting the earphones on, early morning helping set up, picking out the cables Let's teach our kids that life is about more than their comfort. Life is about more than our comfort. Life isn't about finding a comfortable blanket, staying up late so we can be comfortable and go to a comfortable church, sitting on comfortable chairs, singing comfortable songs, listening to comfortable services, eating comfortable food, driving comfortable cars. Let's teach them, hey, life happens when we step out of the comfort zone, into the zone of unknown. That's where miracles happen, when it becomes a little bit awkward When it's not just the fun and that which I know, yes, I'm going to have to wake up early to go and do sound. Yes, it's awkward taking a kid because they break stuff. And they pull out cables and they turn off stuff in the middle of services and they push buttons that they probably shouldn't push. It's uncomfortable, but you know it teaches so much in our lives when we're willing to make ourselves uncomfortable to see other people grow. And do you know, you guys saw it on missions, when you become uncomfortable for someone else to grow, do you know who grows the most? You do. We hope and pray that the people we reach through our ministry and our missions teams grow. But you know one of the primary reasons why we continue to send ministry and missions teams is because we grow when we go. We hope and pray that it's effective. And my prayer always is, God, let the people we're going to minister to grow more than we grow. But we grow when we go. The fifth one. Fourth one, sorry, providential relationships. I love this passage and I'm just going to touch on these last three because we don't have so much time left anymore. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us think of ways. Isn't that a cool idea? How many of us woke up this morning and said, let me today think of a way to motivate the people around me to love and good works? Tomorrow morning when I wake up, let me think of a way. Let me use my brain because God's given it to me. Let me think of something that we can do to motivate people to pursue God, to love and to good works. Providential Relationship speaks about here the fact that people come into our lives and all of us, if you look at your faith journey graph that you draw, somewhere around there there's a spike. And if I go ask you, what happened at the bottom of that spike, I met Johnny. Sarah came into my life. That person and my life, that person just had a cataclysmic change in my life in faith. We can relate to a person like that, a moment, a somebody. We call this providential relationship. It's just God ordained relationships upon our lives. We can't script these. We can't say you and you, you're gonna be good friends now, and this person's gonna be a person who speaks into your life and help you grow. But all of us have heard from God through someone else. All of us have had those people in our lives that have spoken into our lives in the most beautiful ways. We can't script this. We can't force relationships. But you know what I can do with my kids and with me? Is I can make sure my kids are in environments with other God-fearing people. And you know what the chances are? The chances are somewhere there they're gonna click with somebody who's pursuing God wholeheartedly is going to be a providential relationship in their life. It's more likely that if my kids are around Christian people, and not only Christian people because they need to be in the world and learn to be about that as well, but if they're around Christian people often and Christian children often, the chances are good they're going to develop Christian friendships, more so than when we never around Christian friends. Same with me. It's one of the reasons why small group is so important. We're not expecting you to click on this level with every person in your small group. But the chances are, if you're in small group regularly, you're more likely to find people that you're going to click with. You're going to speak into your life in great ways. Pivotal circumstances. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 2. All things come alike to all. One event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good, the clean, and the unclean. To him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good, so is the sinner. He who takes an oath is he who fears an oath. What are we saying here? Life happens to everyone. All of us are in car crashes. All of us get flat tires. Sometimes we look down on people because they've had some stuff happen in their life and we think your faith can't be so good because look at the stuff. No, it's got nothing to do with it. Scripture says clearly it happens to all of us. We lose loved ones. Life happens. If you look at your faith journey, many of you will have a spike or some of us will have a dip. What happened there? Life happened. I lost a loved one. There was that moment where I got hurt, where I felt betrayed, where I won the lottery, whatever it is. But life, a moment just happened. Do you know what we find? It's not the moment that changes us, it's how we respond to the moment. It's the worldview through which we see the moment as well as the people we have around us speaking into our lives in the moment. We can have two people, you can have two twins, both loving each other, and loving their parents equally and their parents happen to pass away, perhaps in a traumatic experience. You know, the one can react and turn to God and look to God as their father, say, God, you are good, God, this hurts, God, I'm crying, God, I'm broken, but God, you're gonna carry me through this. And the one's faith journey can take a spike in that moment, and the other one can say, God, it's your fault. God, you took them from me. God, why are you so evil? And their faith journey will take a dip in that moment. You see, it's the way in which we view God, our God view and our world view, that shapes how we respond to circumstances. So once again, we can't predict these. We can't schedule the life happens, life moments that happen, but we can prepare A worldview and a relationship with God that interprets and responds well in the moments. One of the reasons why Bible school is so important. Learning to see things through God's eyes. And the other thing that really helps in these moments is who are the people that are speaking into our lives in these moments? Coming back to the providential relationships, the previous example. Do we have people in those moments drawing us to God or drawing us away from God? So important. Lava Habakkuk puts it, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, Though though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, life might happen to me as a farmer, he is saying. But whatever life does isn't going to change anything about the fact that I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. See, if we can underpin that to every life circumstance and every life moment, then every moment, whenever life happens, will be a springboard to draw us closer to God. For those of us who are parents, regularly emphasize the character of God and the truth of his word to your kids. Let your kids never grow up with a doubt of the character of God. Teach them that, yes, we've got a flat tire, but you know what? That doesn't change something about the heart of God. Yes, we're going to be late for the party, but that doesn't change anything about God's desire for us to be here. No, we don't have sweets in the house today. That doesn't change anything about God's desire for goodness in your lives. That His sweets and His goodness is not the same thing. And we from a young age need to build that into our kids. And then the last one, God moments. don't know how else to call it. I just know these in my life have been... Significant growth points. And we see it with Jacob, who went out from Beersheba and he went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place. He stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. It wasn't a comfortable pillow. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, that behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abram, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. Isn't this an incredible blessing? And in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And then the part that fascinates me more than the great part about the blessing. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. He was afraid. He said, How awesome is this place? There is, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Those God moments where something just happens and God pitches up. Sometimes just driving, sometimes for a walk, sometimes sleeping and you wake up in the middle of the night. But you know what I find often? In times where I know the presence of God is gonna be. I've had so many God moments, moments where God has just pitched up and shaken my life around in a good way. Pitched up and just taken some mess out. Pitched up and just spoken a word. And you know what I found where it happens? Most often, it happens within his presence. I love the Liberty Seminar Foundation. I love doing it. I love presenting it because I'm selfish. I love seeing people set free. Don't get me wrong. I love, and that maybe came out a little bit wrong, but you'll hopefully get my heart here. I love seeing people set free in the most powerful ways and liberty just an opportunity where that happens. But you know something else about Liberty. I know God is going to be there. You know what I've learned? Every time when I'm there, God speaks to me, and I've God moments at every liberty. Every time you pray, I don't miss it, not because there isn't somebody else in church who can do it. I don't want to miss out on being in the presence of God. I don't want to be out in this, miss out in the moment where Jacob wakes up and he said, Surely the Lord God is in this place. This is the gate of heaven. We need to frequent places where we can know God's presence dwells and be there. I get so confused in my heart sometimes about people when we know we've got a first Monday prayer or whatever it is that we're doing, and we know God, why weren't you there? No, I was tired. I just felt I'm going to sleep tonight. That's fine. You're welcome to sleep. But do you know how God's powerfully spoke to us last night? Do you know how He changed and formed and shaped us? And you're frustrated that God's not speaking to you? Well, you're not there where God is speaking could spend a lot of time talking about all of these. I want to close with this and then we're going to pray. I know it's been a long service. Thank you so much for your patience. I want to say I know Henny's heart. I know when it comes to practical Bible teaching, you're going to go a long way to find somebody more gifted. I know many of the leaders in this church's heart. I know Trevor and Sharon and Young George and Christine's hearts. You know what their heart is? They want to see you grow. That's why they do what they do. That's why they've given up so much else that they could do to do what they do. I promise it's not because we're paying them well to do what they do. I wish we did. We try not to pay them badly, but they could make a lot more doing other stuff. Why do we do what we do? Because we're committed to seeing you grow. Here's the question I want to leave you with this morning Are you committed to seeing you grow? Are you committed? to seeing yourself grow. You can have the best coach in the world. You can have Tani Ans as your 400 meter athletics coach. If you're not gonna wake up and be there at six o'clock when it's training time, if you're not gonna look after your diet, if you're not gonna do what the coach asks and what's required of you, you're never gonna be the world champion or the Olympic champion. Growing in faith requires that every one of us embrace and say, Jesus, I want to grow in faith. God, I want to create opportunities for my children to grow in faith, so I'm going to do what I can to build into their lives. But at some stage, they're going to have to engage with it. The same every one of us. I know many of you are already, and I want to encourage you, keep pressing into that. I pray that you, like the child John, would grow and become strong. In spirit. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for every single person here this morning. Lord, I want to thank you for this time, even as it has been a bit longer than normal. God, I thank you that it's time well spent because it's time in your word, it's time in your presence, it's time with your people, God. And God, I pray this morning that every single one of us here would grow strong in spirit. I pray over our ability to receive practical teaching. Lord, I pray over our private disciplines. I pray over the boldness and the faith in our heart to step out in personal ministry, Lord. I pray for every one of them, for providential relationships, for people that you would push into their lives that will draw them closer to you, God. Lord, I pray for those pivotal moments in their lives that just come and happen out of the blue that we don't expect, but they just, life just happens. God, I pray that in every one of those moments they would respond well. And God, I pray for moments where they will wake up and they will say, surely the Lord God is in this place. Those God moments where you just descend from heaven and you reach out into our lives and you speak to us and you give us promises and you deliver us and you heal us and you do what you do and what only you can do, God. God, I pray that as they embrace these, Lord, as they learn to recognize them, as they learn to walk with them in their lives and through their ministry, Lord, That they would grow, but not only would they grow, but they'd be able to grow the people around them well, Lord. In Jesus' name.